0: Welcome to watching Westworld, the officially unofficial podcast for HBO's Westworld. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And I botched that that introduction, but we're going with it, man. Uh, This is the season four, episode six, Fidelity Feedback Podcast. Aaron, how are we looking in the feedback department this week? we had a lot we had a lot
1: uh, i think oh, we'll, we'll 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 have uh, at least an hours with the content maybe more we'll see uh, shall we get right to it because yeah. i don't have a lot of things that i want to discuss i think we got most of the stuff that i, I want to talk uh, out earlier in the week Mm-hmm. Westworld at baldmove.com is the medium in which you send things to me uh, to get considered for the show. Um, I sometimes do get a fair bit of stuff through Twitter DMs and discords and forums and all that stuff. But unfortunately, I don't uh, keep track of all that stuff. It's too much. So it's just Westworld at baldmove.com. If you want to control C and control V into the email from those sources, that'd be great. Uh, all right. Leah H says, I am convinced that, or I'm not convinced that all the hosts in the future timeline are copies of Shalorus. Can you lay out some evidence for this? The man in black says they're all her code, but I read that in the way of someone talking to a programmer would call everything they've written your code, meaning that she created all of them but not necessarily that they are literal copies of her. I think the philosophical themes of the story have more punch. This is a fully realized next generation of host children and it better explains why they're not all acting as she hopes they will. In some ways, both the humans and the hosts are a relatively young population facing a new world since most of the old generation of hosts were lost in the escape from the park. Jim, why do we think this?
0: Um... You know, now that now that you phrase it that way, uh, I-, I could see this being true. Also, you know, she was talking earlier about not wanting to bring her children into this fucked up world, but she's taking control of that world. So maybe this at this point, these are new entities, not just copies of her. The reason I
1: think that is because like late last season, I think it was in the finale. uh, Dolores said that all of the hosts in Westworld, all the hosts in the world were derived from her original programming, that she is the first Mm -hmm. host that kind of made it and worked. And like any good programmer, everybody control C and control V that into all the marbles Mm -hmm. changed the personality affects and the backstories and all that kind of stuff. And they were, they were good to go. Um, And it makes a lot of like, what would coding a new host from scratch look like? And to what extent, like, you know, what does that mean? Like, like to have a blank marble, you know, um, there's got to be enormous libraries at the the, the, at the very least, if we're taking talking programming stuff that they use from one host to the next. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, you know, when you find out like uh, like chimpanzees share like 99% of our DNA. Like mm-hmm. no one would say we're a copy of them, but oh my god, uh, to a large extent we are. Um, yeah. But then also we share ninety-one percent of our DNA with a fruit fly, so it's like it's not something to get super excited about. You know, we all came from a common ancestor a billion years ago. There was a single cell bacterium. It's probably a lot of that DNA that's been, been recycled. So like I, I and I and I also think that like it's becoming increasingly apparent to me that. Nolan and Joy have they have an opinion on this free will versus determinism thing Mm -hmm. and it's probably closer to Aaron's viewpoint the the philosopher that we talked about that's a very strict determinist um, than it is like mine going into this series and I think that there's a lot they, they find it the opposite it's very satisfying to look back at our history and see it as one unbroken chain of events that made us into the species that we are today. And it's also satisfying to run that forward with the host based on the things that we gave them, the drives that we gave them experiences that we gave them that it's like they they can't just get away and, and, uh, sure. Clean slate, whiteboard, a brand new copy, because how
0: would they even, you know? Well, Um, in that case, like uh, Dolores is not even, uh, uh, new entity right she's just a copy of what humans have done before so like and I think increasingly it's less important that everybody is a copy of Dolores because as these hosts have experiences they change look at Hale right like you would not say Hale is identical at this point as far as like her character like so what if she started as Dolores we all started as as blank slate nothings right and then we become what we're going to become based partially on what we were born with, but a a lot based on the experiences we have as we grow and change. So like Hale is not the same character as Dolores at this point.
1: (laughs) yeah and i I think that's something in the first season or two we talked a lot about nature versus nurture arguments i think that we don't talk about as much because like the the philosophy has moved beyond that now we're in determinism versus free will but like i think that Mm. plays a lot with that too because yeah when we're born we're not exactly blank slates we have a whole lot of genetic and epigenetic markers that make us more or less susceptible to depression schizophrenia uh addiction so like You know, you want to say that each baby born is this innocent, pure creation that's a blank, But like it's and that's before the mom and dad start fucking around with what's between their ears, you know? Uh, So, yeah, I I don't I I just think that from the it would be a deviation from what the show has told us for these hosts, children of of Hale to be a wholly unique thing that has no shared programming or perspective from the previous host, whether their exact copy of Dolores right yeah like, exactly because again cause we're 99 percent people different characters yeah we're 99 percent genetically similar to chimpanzees and if you want to even talk about behavior you know chimpanzees murder uh the chimpanzees have families and they have procreative sex and they satisfy their base needs and they also murder and rape and they have war like you know goddamn from a certain micro is uh, side of the telescope we look even more similar to them but Kroger fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's see what Kara has to say. She says, I've been wondering all season about Hale's burn scarred arm. Got several emails about this the last week or two. We know why uh, she was healed because she came out of that fire. uh, the, The bombing of her family's car looking like Anakin Skywalker on Mustafar. My question is always why leave the scarred arm when we're talking about her motivations and disappointments in the latest episode, I felt like the scarred arm was coming into focus. She definitely doesn't need the scar to remind her of what happened as she seeks vengeance because she's a perfect being with probably perfect shot for shot memory. But she keeps it anyway. It seems like evidence that she is at least somewhat not above her flesh body. When she was picking at it, it seemed like a neurotic, anxious action that a human would perform. Mm-hmm. All this seems like more evidence that Hale herself is and always has been, quote unquote, infected. If all the hosts are made from her, then she could have passed this infection on to them, which also fits in a generational trauma angle we think Westworld is playing around with. Hmm. I agree with 100% all of this.
0: Yeah, I like it. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like a memento for her, right? It's not not that, you know, she can't fix this arm or uh, it's not that she can't remember the trauma perfectly and experience it at any time she wants. It's just this is an outward memento for her to hold on to.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, it also belies, like Kara says here, that uh, she talks a big game about being perfect and rational and all that. I think that these are signs that she's kind of full of shit. You know, totally. these are telling, like, like these these neuroses, these keeping mementos. When, as you say, she's got a perfect memory. That's the thing. Is like I, you compare the hosts on the outside to the sublime, and I guess we've only seen a Kichida. But he just seems mm-hmm. like so much more together and like the idea that a Kichita would keep like, I don't know, his, uh, a copy of his dead wife's body in a corner she's, I, I presume alive now. And if, but just a remember of all the shit that he lost mm-hmm. from his former life. I don't feel like they would do that. Like, I feel like they are elevated, these elevated beings that uh, Hale wants to be. Mm-hmm. And, and we also have lost a plot on that, like. What is the status of? Uh, you know, we still think the people are um, ascending into the sublime, or they're because it seems like those no. hosts have their shit together. But again, we've only seen one person living in one world right. that's largely a construct of welcome Bernard into it. So,
0: and that was what 23 years ago. So, it was
1: 23 years ago. On uh, top of has that, that,
0: changed, you know. Um, yeah,
1: another 23,000 years of host development. I wonder.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Um All right, let's move on to Dallas and Nashville, which is very confusing from a city perspective. <laughs> For the humans that are able to override the flies control of their mind, it's great that they're able to see the tower and realize what's going on. But what about the black goo in their body? Are they that way forever or can they turn back into normal blood once the mental control ceases? This is a good question, mm, and it's something maybe. they got away from because remember, we thought. When those people that were captive and were forced to commit suicide by gun in the bowels of Temperance, mm-hmm. we thought one of the evidences of them not really being human was when they shot themselves in the head that their brains didn't leak black goo. It yeah. seems that that is either irrelevant um, or not true. Maybe you have to be uh, infected for several days, or but man, that senator's wife. I think they yeah. laid out that she was only infected for a few days.
0: I mean, maybe it's like an infection you can fight off, right? Like if you're an you outlier, clear your body fights it off, your mind fights off, whatever. Um, and it makes the sense black goes away, you know? I mean, it, people are like, well, that's, well that doesn't mean that makes a lot
1: of sense. Like when you're sick, your mm-hmm. lungs get full of mucus and pus and all kinds of shit. When you clear that infection, guess what? You clear all that stuff out of your system, too. Right. So I guess it makes sense that once you breach and overcome that. But is that a, is it a psychological thing that you're doing or is it a biological thing you're doing? Or is it some kind of emergent property of both?
0: It it could be both. That's my guess is like your, your body is able like your outlier body is able to fight off whatever kind of infection is trying to take over just through immune response or something. And then I'm sure it's going to be more complicated than that because like the psychology that they're going into and the, the philosophy they're going into doesn't say, is probably not going to be like, oh, their bodies were strong enough to fight this off. It's probably going to be more like they had pants. <laughs> That's my guess.
1: It all comes back to pants, man. Yeah. Dallas goes on to say, how is it that Tesla's in 2022 have a way to communicate with satellites and servers wirelessly, but yet whatever year that Hale is in, she hasn't thought to link all the fly humans and hosts into some sort of mesh network. Why couldn't she create a world similar to Unity and Rick and Morty so that once uh, one host or fly notices something strange, all those humans and hosts know the same information can be immediately and autonomously handle any situation uh, mm. or Hale's immediately alerted about it. And what's maddening is that they have that to some extent. Like, if you move too fast yeah. in a way that you're not supposed to, like, everybody, like, pivots to their head and children of the corns you. But if you, you know, walk without rhythm, <laughs> like in Dune or whatever, uh, you, the sandworms don't get you. I, I I don't know. Um, I One thing I was thinking about in the shower today, because I, I just compiled this and I um does Hale have the ability to maintain a satellite network? Like has, has, has humanity in a lot of like, or host entity in a lot of ways, lost capabilities, because like when you think about maintaining all the communications, GPS satellites, et cetera, et cetera, that's a huge undertaking endeavor. Would the
0: host have the capacity to do that, to keep that stuff running? Because it depends on how much of the world they took over. Right. Um, Cause certainly you could, take over a bunch of people. I'm not sure like a ton of uh, high profile, like astronauts or people at NASA or something, people with that knowledge, engineers yeah, just take over have. to Johnson
1: space center and,
0: and they've probably visited the park so they could recreate them even if they don't take them over. But like, mm. yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's possible. We haven't really seen outside of this one city is the, I know thing. it's like a I diner and a city and that's it. Right. Right. So I don't know.
1: But that's a that's a hand way. But the thing is, it's like I don't want to chalk it up to that because that's completely extra textural. That's just me like, well, right. if she doesn't have any way to launch satellites and those satellites run out of fuel and they deorbit. And, eh. sure. But like, I, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Um, it could be also that they have that fine control over the humans and the hosts and they don't feel like they need any surveillance on top of that. But by God, uh, I would say that there's lots of holes in the security, including the fact that the rebels have entirely co-opted it mm-hmm. but um, again I, I just think that uh, the the honest question is Nolan and Joy just don't care they don't really care and they don't want you to care about the giant holes and the host security and yeah, yeah you know whether it's hubris or ignorance or incompetent like this, they, they don't that's not what they're interested in telling it's just like they're telling you what happened and there's probably reasons for it but you just got to kind of take it on blind faith which I don't think is a great approach but this is a complicated story and I'm not the one telling it. I wouldn't have gotten that. Yeah. I wouldn't have written season one. I would have, you know, gotten stopped at some kind of plot hole around knives and bullets and been like, well, fuck, this doesn't make sense. And
0: right. Right.
1: There we go. John G says, if we accept the transcendence is another kind of sublime, uh, where the one problem Dolores had with sublime is that it's not the real world, that it's something still under the control of someone else gets solved by being under your control, both inside and outside. I think that's what these weird armless things are, a kind of outdoor guard that you can pop out of transcendence at any time into that chassis so that there isn't a threat of someone turning off your universe from the outside. It's not some server farm in one location, but contained within this frame, a sublime you take with you. I assume even though they're housed in separate bodies, though, you can still connect with others in their transcended realities. So I think what they're saying is those big white monolith looking head things that the marble's being put in, what if that's a distributed sublime? Each one of those things is like the blade in a server, a virtual server that connects to everything and yet is still an autonomous body that can move around, can defend itself.
0: Okay. So it's like when I log on to, uh, I don't know, League of Legends to go play League of Legends for a while. I don't, I never do this, but if I were to, I would both be in the League of Legends universe which would be the sublime right that virtual place but i'm also still in the physical world i could also still have control over my my uh life outside of league of legends like if i have to pee and i'm in league of legends universe i can i can step out of that to deal with the urgent bladder matter yeah the bladder matter yeah
1: it's uh it's urgent. I, I thought that was, like, because, like, I, I was thinking that, like, yeah, they need to have some kind of, like, rotational basis where, like, okay, you've been in the Sublime. It's now your turn to spend a week outside working the levers of the Hoover Dam, making sure our arms are all, you know, like, just just protect, you know, everything. And then once you do your tour, you go back into the Sublime for another thousand years until it's time for you to do your week on the outside. Uh, I think we that would work. Both. But obviously, we if they – if Yeah, they're like uh, inhabiting these and I'm sure I I, I'm more sure than ever that these things are like ambulatory and Mm -hmm. they are going to be terrifying in their capacity. I mean, we saw what those big red dudes could do last year. Like, I think these are just the better versions of these. So it could be that like, it's all, it's simultaneously, like you could be in the sublime and also run this battle frame and vaporize a human army if you had sure. to, that's, that's there to liberate like people we're or not, what, whatnot. We're not
0: great at, at compartmentalizing our cognition, but boy, I bet yeah. the host would be.
1: It'd also be very easy for them to maintain a drone army because those drones, I think the charm of those are they're not sentient. And that's yeah, a big thing yeah. in, like, this uh, E&M Banks series that I'm reading is that to make this utopian society work, you need a lot of, like, automated labor. Uh-huh. But, like, thinking automated labor has opinions about whether they want to be doing something else. So, they just get around that bit, creating artificial intelligence that's not sentient. It just does a thing.
0: Yeah, And it, it doesn't have
1: any hopes or desires or dreams or anything. Yeah, we have uh, that right now. It's just exactly. embodied, everything. Right? All yeah, Yeah, all the AI right now, fortunately, that we think. We think unless that unless that crazy Google engineers lawsuit comes comes Uh out the wrong way. We think that's all. But like in the future, yeah, you might have uh, human equivalent intelligences, but then you still got your coffee maker that turns on automatically at six o'clock and brews a bean and doesn't Mm -hmm. have thoughts. So I think that's another solution. They they seem like they have an army of these fucking white dudes uh, to do their bidding as well. Molly says, hey, guys, it's a peculiar choice for Hale to make the stopgap on a way to transcendence for the host to seemingly get all the raping and murdering out of their system. I think that Hale's doing this is the same reason why she is disappointed and pissed that her people are not volunteering for a program. I think she not only wanted a better life for her species, but she wants to prove that they're better and more evolved than humans. By putting the hosts in the same type of the park, uh, the humans were in a Westworld. It brings this curiosity Will they sin and continue their blood thir- bloodlust and desire, and stay out in the filth and the sin, or will they evolve past the corrupted tendency of humans? I think Hale has something to prove. So I think this theory yeah, is I like this. This is a yeah, like she's like we're going to be better than humans, and it's going to be an automatic axiomatic thing. We're better because we are, and I'm going. This is like um, you know, God planting the Garden of Eden and then putting the Tree of Knowledge. Like hey. I'm going to yeah. give you guys one fucking rule. Don't eat this, this apple. Okay. Everything else you can do whatever you want. I just, just to show respect this one thing and Hale's just crazy mad that they're all at the orchard eating as many apples as they
0: can. Yeah. Just gorging on apples, uh, I, doing the I, same I shit that humans do. If I could ask Hale a question, who are you trying to prove this to? Cause obviously it's herself, right? So she has doubts about it. Um, that she's trying to assuage by putting these people, these hosts through this. Mm -hmm. Cause like, otherwise why do it? Like if you're, if you're not trying to prove it to yourself then what are you trying to prove it to them? I, I don't get that.
1: I think there's I mean, that's there's a lot to be determined about this whole situation. But I think one of the possibilities, it's like uh, this is a different way. Like she's trying to awaken the hosts through a positive process rather than a negative process, essentially coddling them, giving them everything they could want, cater to all their needs. Um, Whereas the hosts in Westworld were brutalized uh, time and time again. Um, It could be something like that. But I don't know, because the thing is, is like. I guess I take from a first assumption that Hale is not rational and she's more spite and vengeance driven than she is any kind of altruism um, although she can't I don't think she's honest about that that aspect of herself right, um, right so you know especially this episode's dripping with her talking about how fucking perfect and immortal and awesome they all are but yet, they're also this big colossal disappointment that uh, can't get over these humans and their petty defiances.
0: So yeah. And she herself is a disappointment, right? Like none of her experiments are working. All, all she can't the, cast off her flesh. Yeah, right. She's picking away at her scabs. It's yeah, obviously she's not perfectly rational and immortal.
1: And says, I just listened to your recap podcast and I too am curious about the people that are working and eating in the diner in the desert. Let's say that there are humans that are not affected by flies. Uh, they know what's happening in New York and what's going on with the resistance. Then how are they okay with slinging tuna melts and eating sandwiches while that part of the world suffers? Is there a bigger explanation to their existence or is the show making a point about humans actively ignoring the plights of others? Maybe the people in the desert diner are just living their lives, possibly aware of the situation, but maybe feel as though there isn't much they can do to help or resist. My sister asked me once if I would fight. Uh, If aliens showed up to the planet and I straight up thought fight aliens, how is that even possible? They traveled through time and space. I can't even change my car's oil. How do you try to beat a superior robot race that mind controls all of humanity? Maybe just enjoy your sandwiches and go home to whatever you've got, but why would he allow them to stay in the deserts? Are there other towns with humans outside the New York experience? Will they inevitably end up in New York under her control after hosts kill the ones that are there, eat your sandwich and await your inevitable doom. Um, I honestly think this first part about it possibly being uh, us actively ignoring the plight of others is a strong contender possible because there is miserable shit happening all around the world and we still eat our tuna melts.
0: And here I we contribute to a lot of TV show. Yeah.
1: We contribute to a lot of that misery. It's not even like it's something that's happening and oh gosh, and we live in the most powerful, wealthy nation in the world. So conceivably we could do a lot about all those things, but yet we don't.
0: And um, part of this comes back into the idea of the nature of reality. where like, mm. sure. There's, there's big existential questions that we have no answers to, but you got to kind of ignore it because if you don't, you're going to drive yourself insane. And the same is true about some of the misery in the world. Right? Like, Can I be out there every single day of every second of every day protesting and trying to make a change? Uh, Certainly some people can, but not everybody can. And if you're not that person, then you're going to have to ignore a lot of pain. Yeah,
1: I think I don't know if this comes up later in a feedback or is this something else? uh, The thought I had just like reading Reddit or something, but people ask, like, why would why would Hale allow humanity outside our park to exist? And my guess is because that is the source of when they replace humans. Like, when they say they, this, this comes at great cost and expense mm, and time and difficulty. Like, they have to go out, catch a human, put it through its paces, teach it its role, have a role written for it, you know. And then every time one gets killed, they have to do that again because they have no way to print. And, you know, I yeah. don't know. Like, there, like I like wonder if there's some kind of horrific fucking farm where this they're just, you know... Grow, vat growing oh, humans, or oh, it's that's even worse. The pastrami
0: like pastrami looking meat that Stubbs was eating. Oh Christ! Uh,
1: <laughs> it's all placenta. Because oh, uh, I was well. thinking was what's even does what's worse than a vat grown human is like like imagine a Matrix farm, but it's all just pregnant women and that's they're like uh-huh. they're just unconscious and uh I've fly and that all they do is 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 grow future humans to be fly infected uh, uh guest fodder at is, uh, these cities is it too soon
0: to drop Battlestar Galactica spoilers
1: nah I'd
0: spoil so, that's yeah. pretty much the fate of really quite a few humans in that universe yeah Jesus okay okay
1: yeah Well, there you go. Uh, Kevin says, I was thinking about what Hale has done with New York and how she's angry at humans and wanted to exact some sort of revenge. On them by subjecting them to the same treatment we gave them back in the park. I I first thought, sure, why not? But then I thought back to season one where I'm pretty sure the conversation was something along the lines of, well, it's kind of fucked up what humans are doing to the host, but they don't know they're sentient and they think that they're playing a super fancy, realistic video game. And of course, people do horrible things in video games all the time. And it's not considered bad behavior for the most part. So I'm not going to forgive all humans for what happened in a park, but I'm going to at least think that they shouldn't be treated as if they were actually doing this to sentient beings. As an aside, we already do plenty of extremely fucked up shit to our own kind anyway. So that's fun to think about. Fast forward to the robot conquest of humanity. I get there's a real struggle to ensure the future for robots, especially when they know full well that humanity would try to wipe them out if given the chance. But what about the bigger picture of the whole thing for robot kind? Revenge for any host other than hail seems kind of strange to me. The vast majority of humans would never even go to the park, and those that went didn't realize that they were torturing the hosts. This long preamble gets to me to my question What do newer hosts, the children, actually know about humanity? Have they been lied to? Do they think that they're using sentient beings for their amusement or just little meat robots on their little fly loops? Do they know that humans created hosts? What the hell is the baby host's perspective on all this? It's super fucked up if they know the full history of everything and are okay with wiping out a species that, while not totally blameless for being shitty, mostly didn't do a damn thing to hosts and are even the creators of the hosts. Are Ford and Arnold gods to them? Do they know who they are? Hale controls the world and possibly all the information in it, so it's possible that hosts don't really understand the nature of humanity. There is, after all, quite a bit of literature featuring humanity trying to grasp what uh, with existential dread that could help them out. Even a few podcasts, really. Uh, that's interesting because I wonder from the host perspective if it's a comfort that we didn't know we were torturing sentient
0: beings probably not probably not much
1: it's like you remember that Star Trek the next generation episode where there were these little crystalline the creatures living in the water supply of some oh. colony and you know, we the, the we were just drilling and trying to extract water, and we were killing them, and they had a huge hate boner against us, fleshy bags of or carbon bags of mostly water, is what they referred to humans as. Is that the one um, where they took
0: over the Enterprise and and you see, there's a there's a there's actually a bunch crazy. of microscopic
1: intelligent life episodes in Star <laughs> okay, Trek. Okay, I, I, think, I, I think I think that's the other and, one you're thinking yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, the nanobots that take over the Enterprise computer core. Okay, but like it's like. Because, like, even if you're saying, like, well, look, man, we didn't know you are sentient. Mm-hmm. They're like, you just wanted to simulate raping and murdering a bunch of people. Like, I don't know that it, it like from an outside perspective, it's that much. Like, for example, like if a cow suddenly tomorrow was born with full sentience and we're like, Jesus Christ, when we we're eating you guys, we didn't even know you were conceiving of the suffering and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then it's like, oh, but you just just wanted to consume our flesh. Like, mm-hmm. I, at some point when you go through that looking glass. What can you say? Because there's Once a hell of a lot of and be like,
0: yeah, yeah, I wanted to eat you. What do you think right. I was built to do?
1: <laughs> because historically, a lot of oppression, as you point out, of our own human beings was based on the fact, well, these are subhuman. They're not really at the same level. They're not capable of civilized thought. They're like, you know, just one step above animals, if that. And they sincere. I think a lot of the people predictionists sincerely believe that, but it, you know, they were they're just wrong. So I I don't know that the hosts would not need if you just told people that. And I but I also wonder, and and we haven't really gotten any information about like what the hosts think about humans. Uh, there's few that we know for sure. Like Hale's got the full story,
0: man in black too. Yeah. But I guess it depends on how much of like legitimate copies of Dolores and Hale. You think these hosts are? Cause if they have all the memories of being tortured and raped and murdered, um, you you could see why they might hold a grudge uh or even if there's those memories
1: have copies. been blanked is there such a thing as an epigenetic you know thing with hosts where it's like just Maybe. the yeah the lingering feeling of of being controlled and oppressed is is something there
0: there shouldn't be if they're you know perfectly rational like if you can just right. actually extract those memories um but, but i, I will agree
1: philosophically that if the humans did to the hosts unknowingly what the hosts are doing to the humans with intention, it would make the hosts more evil. Yes. But like not every philosophical branch would even agree with that. I think utilitarians would be like, well, it's no difference. Like there is just as much slavery and misery going on and, and ignorance is no excuse. Like, you know, uh, I think intentionality it,
0: it, is, but like,
1: yeah. Yeah. But like that's, that's like, that's like I said, that's a certain, I think, way of looking at justice where it's like whether you meant to do uh-huh. something is, uh, For makes sure. you more culpable or not. But like, I don't know that everybody, including hosts, would, 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 would would roll with that. Oh, so I, I don't I
0: know. 100% agree that not everybody would yeah. agree with that, but that's how I feel about it. Intentionality is very important. That's why we have manslaughter versus, uh, murder. Cedric says, uh, quoting
1: Ross Cole, from True Detective season 1 it's all one ghetto man a giant gutter in outer space i think human consciousness is a tragic misstep in evolution we became too self-aware nature created an aspect of nature separate from itself we're cre- i should i feel like i should be carving a lone star beer can while i'm saying uh-huh. this uh, and chain smoking cigarettes we are creatures that should not exist by natural law. We're things uh, that labor uh, under the illusion of having a self an accreation of sensory experience and feeling programmed with total assurance that we are each somebody. When in fact, everybody is nobody. Maybe the honorable thing for a species to do is deny our programming, stop reproducing, walk hand in hand to extinction. One last midnight brothers and sisters opting out of a raw deal. Was Russ Cole, the first human to find the center of the maze. Uh, <laughs> <certainly> <laughs> so just not, kidding.
0: But yeah, I, I
1: I loved your coverage of True Detective and particularly Jim's reject- rejection of Rust's outlook on life. I'm truly enjoying Westworld coverage and in particular invested in the Man of Black Williams story. What I mean, that's the thing that I've been kind of like wondering about since we had to talk with the philosopher and some follow up conversations is like, wh- what is the real argument for against nihilism other than just hope, you know, uh, oh,
0: that we we making i feel like there's there's a lot of value in making your own purpose experiencing joy experiencing the good things that come from being sentient and alive um sure and and i kind of think you can be you know willfully ignorant um about the nature of reality and that's kind of a good thing like say yes i i I think that, you know, none of this really means anything. If you're talking about the grand perspective, which what the fuck even is that? Like, does the universe have a perspective? But yeah, if you're talking about universally. uh, Sure, none of this matters, but to me, it fucking matters. And that's all that matters because I am me.
1: There's a there's an interesting skit in the the Louis C.K. show, um, Louis, where he's going to his doctor about his back that's hurting. He's in his early 40s. Like, God damn, I, die. Mm-hmm. I just can't. And he's like, oh, well, here's the thing. Uh, you, you are using a, br- some, a suspension bridge as a skyscraper. And that's just fucked up. Uh, and you need to wait a couple hundred thousand years for evolutionary pressures to catch up and reinforce that for its new role. But until then, you just every second that your back doesn't hurt, treat that as a gift from God, you know. And I, I wonder if like human consciousness, because we know that. Modern anatomically, like like modern in terms of anatomy, humans have been walking around the earth for about two hundred thousand years. There's evidence that, like what we call consciousness and sentience, um, maybe predates that for another hundred thousand years. Are we just in this trans? We're, we're just in this crazy transition thing where we know enough to like too much, but we're not like we we're not like settled. In, in our knowledge of what the world is and our place in it, like we need a couple of hundred thousand years of human civilizational or consciousness development till we can grasp the the, the horror of it all that that uh, Russ Cole, like we're, our, our consciousness are essentially aching backs that are ill suited for what we're doing it for, you know, where it was supposed to help us uh, hunt on the Serengeti and make fire and pattern match and, and mm-hmm. worship stars. And now we're doing it to staple shit together and, and, and keep, cub- I don't know why this is my go-to example. Like everyone cubicles <laughs> are just yeah. stapling paper, but whatever worthless fucking thing you're doing in the modern society that doesn't, doesn't really uh, contribute to your health or happiness, just whatever
0: it's stapling papers. Do yeah. you think that's like, do we just need more time to figure this shit out? I mean, definitely. Yeah, we need more time to to come to some equilibrium. But I think we're but I think we're largely there, too. Like, it's not it's not every person who blows their fucking head off because they can't stand the nature of reality with consciousness. You know, it's like very few people do that, in fact, comparatively. So we're kind of there already. Like we have means of coping with the nature of our reality, even as conscious beings. It's interesting because like I was super I- happy, but we have, we have yeah. our moments, right? Like I, and I think those moments are why you do it.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I, um, a couple, about 10 years ago i read this the the thoughts of marcus aurelius he's the emperor and he he jotted down like a journal about like his philo- personal philosophy and how he feels about things and my my buddy jesse has got me reading the in in caridian i think is it's it's and it's written by a roman slave uh with his same philosophies and stuff and i i keep on reading it's like god you got the emperor of the fucking world essentially and you got this lowest mm-hmm. segment of the same society and they're kind of preaching from the exact same Handbook. And I also want to say, it's like, well, we've only had the, mm-hmm. the enlightenment kind of values for the last couple hundred years. But honestly, these dudes 2000 years ago were struggling with the same stuff. And you go back a thousand years before that and like the King Solomon's and in, in, in the Ecclesiastes, everything's a vanity and a striving after the wind. Mm-hmm. Like, damn, what is the advancement in human thought in the last 2500 years when it comes to like the yeah. hard problems of why we are mortal and why everything, you know, that we're doomed to die? i I don't know but but maybe another hundred thousand feels like a blink right and 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 yeah yeah. so maybe we need another couple hundred thousand years to figure it all out but just just something to think about
0: And, and and maybe there's nothing to figure out i mean maybe it's true maybe we just need to not figure it out but like come to some acceptance of our place in the universe
1: Yeah. Tell young people every second that you're spending not an existential dread. You should Uh just cherish that moment when you're in the moment and you're just enjoying whatever the good food or the awesome sex or the skydive. Just fucking treasure those seconds because (laughs) because the 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 fucking void is always there to stare into, you know? Yeah. All right, let's move on to Nick he says, since this place is shown to be a park for hosts, can we assume that all the hosts can control humans? If so, does that mean Stubbs Bernard eventually may be able to control the humans once they arrive? Is this how Stubbs knew that something weird was happening before all the humans turned on them? Yeah, Interesting kind of question. Of about
0: this, right? I, I think there has to be some element of control because of the interaction that the man in black and, and the nature of this park, like if hosts can't get humans to do what they want them to do and break out of those loops that, that they're pre-programmed with, then how does the park work? Does, do they have like drone operators who are watching over everything at all times and making sure that the humans do go along with what they think the hosts want? That seems yeah. pretty inefficient when the host could just have direct limited control over, over just what they, they do. Yeah,
1: I wonder if they do, like if does everyone have, because like back in the Westworld, the guests could go up and be like, hey, I want to take you upstairs and have sex with you. And yeah. the host would, you know, eventually they, they couldn't meaningfully resist. Right. But like well, some.
0: I mean, Dolores and the man in black are are refutations of that. Right. Like how so. Dolores did not want to have sex with the man in black.
1: Oh, I know, but like ultimately there's nothing that she can do to stop
0: that from happening, you know? No, but that's what William desired and he was not, Uh his desires were not granted. I mean, he had to, he had to forcibly take them. Hmm. So. Well, I don't think it matters to what the point I'm trying to make,
1: which is you had level, like William couldn't come in and say freeze all motor functions. Certainly. And like the whole room freezes. And even the people that could do that, like Bernard and Elsie and the other technicians, didn't have, like, Ford ability uh, to override verbally the host's uh, bulk app perceptions and pain sense. Like, there was levels to control. And I wonder mm-hmm. if, like, is Hale fully democratic and that she's like, you know, every host has the same power that I've got. I doubt it. I, I seriously really doubt it. Doubt it. I really doubt it that sh- that any host could just scream from a rooftop. Everybody go to the tallest building and jump off and like, hey, be
0: fuck. What are we going to do? Because I've. Yeah. Yeah. So and what Williams or the man in black says to her about like, why don't you just make them? And she doesn't say because I can't. She says, because I don't
1: want to. I, I don't want to, exactly. I do think it's possible that you could do something that would break all humans' control simultaneously, and then, like, whether a charismatic person could whip that confused mob into a frenzy of destruction Kind of same along lines that like Dolores as Wyatt did that with her, you know, uh, you know, may have used her mesh control to kind of like, inf- but like I, I, yeah, I don't know, I, d- I don't think so. I don't think that the 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 Bernard's going to come in there and just assume control of the
0: host because he's a host. I'm sorry, control the humans. Yeah, there seems like some pre-programmed or semi-autonomous nature about these humans, these infected humans too, because like I noticed when they want to change the behavior and break them out of their loop they send out that signal from the tower right and you hear it wall. Right. that one yeah 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 but that's not constantly playing right that's not keeping them on their loops their programming right loops so yeah you're right it's only when things are
1: ch- changing yeah
0: yeah so i'm i'm curious how that all works too but who knows
1: Chris says, "When we first see Caleb die, it didn't sit right with me. It was the end of his pre-host story. I just had this feeling that it couldn't be the whole story. My new running theory is that Hale is a human Caleb, frozen like William. It may seemingly be impossible for Caleb to have survived his demise, but I thought the same thing about William at the end of last season. Yeah, we know for sure he's still frozen, living in pur- purgatory." So why Hale would have done this with Caleb? I have no thoughts at this point. I actually strongly suspect the same thing. I've, I've, I've said this early on that I think Caleb as a human is still somewhere frozen um, uh, and in the livestock room with with William. Um, and that what we're seeing Caleb do now is either a simulation or, um, you know, her just putting him through the page, doing some reproducible thing that she couldn't do with the real, real uh, Caleb um, yeah it's possible I don't know what that means at the end like we've never seen that happen before where we've got a like a, a doctor uh, like an Arnold that was also Bernard coexisting at the same time uh, we didn't see it with Jim Delos where you had a uh, the, for the first time is the man in black where you've got and he's not a copy he's not
0: quite yeah he's not quite willing. he doesn't have fidelity right
1: yeah yeah and then not even trying he's just a right. host with with a, uh some william flavor thrown onto mm-hmm. him yeah so i i think that this i actually think this is going to be one of the big reveals that real and I, I don't know what that means like what does that mean to copy 279 if he ends up at the end of the series is the have uh yeah you know my you are you me uh which one is frankie's dad aren't they both you know mm-hmm. Cole says, I just finished Determinism podcast in preparation for episode six of Westworld. I've been a longtime Bald Move listener since my college days back in 2014 and continue to love your podcast for the quality and range you both provide. Uh, Your secret sauce of intelligence and philosophical allegories paired with grounded user reactions that aren't afraid to call it bullshit and plot holes are supremely satisfying. High praise. high praise. Somehow I didn't didn't cut out all the prey. I usually do that. That's what we're Uh, shooting for. So I'm glad you're picking up on it. After listening to the Rabinowitz podcast, I'm dying to hear more philosophical discussions about foundation on Apple TV. Plus I loved your season one coverage, and this could be an amazing podcast update to hold us over till season two starts in a few years. Mm. Uh, Aaron and I have talked offline many times about potential things we want to talk about both on, you know, either he's got two podcasts, embrace the void philosophers in space, which is all about, I notice he hasn't talked about foundation yet. I think that would be super fascinating. Yeah. Um, and I, I would like I, I think there's going to be definitely more collabs in the future, uh, especially when you talk about the intersection of sci fi and philosophy. He's a sol- seems like a solid, solid resource. Uh, but, yeah, thanks for the praise. Moving on to Sweet Jerry. One thing I noticed in this episode is Bernard seems to be less certain about outcomes. I think he mentioned when Maeve is awakened, uh, a 60 percent chance she'll be cooperative and 40 percent chance she will not be so cooperative. We're talking to Frankie, saying sometimes or someone will betray her, but he can't say for sure. While in an earlier episode, he knew exactly what Stubbs would order and what the waitress's response would be. Now maybe he's already mentioned this in a previous episode, but do you think as the story goes along, he gets less certain about the outcomes? Uh, and by the last episode, mm. will there be a choice to make? But he has no idea what either choice will lead to, what path, and it becomes a choice that he leaves to Frankie or another human to make that ultimately decides mm. the fates for all
0: humans kind of like that that's there's some poetry happening there but let me let me throw, yeah um, like
1: the first two seasons are about humans giving hosts to choice and the next two seasons yeah. are about hosts giving the cho- choice back to human and five is a
0: synthesis of that sure yeah i, I could see something pretty cool coming from that uh i'm gonna throw a, a big old hydra spanner in the works here um please is it not that he's getting less certain about events as they happen um, and as he gets further from like the root cause if you want to go deterministic but perhaps the event itself has that range of possibility based on who's responding because for instance if you flipped a coin uh, and he tried to call the outcome of it it would never be anything other than 50 50 right ever he couldn't say there's an 80 percent chance that coins gonna land on heads no right. that's not possible So, yeah, I I think I think because of who Maeve is, when you wake her up, there's a 60% chance she goes along with you and there's a 40% chance she doesn't. And he's still very sure about that. You know, it's not that he's getting less sure about events. It's just that particular event is less varied. I agree. I think that there's like probably inflection points.
1: Where things like the interaction with the waiter is very easy to, you know, to, to, to guess and and to predict and, um, you know, which joke Stubbs is going to tell. But when he gets to things, especially people with a lot of agency with like Maeve, where she, he's like, oh, I don't know, it's a 60-40 deal. What, uh, you know, uh, Frankie's going to do is a lot murkier. Like there's probably things where he's pretty sure things are going to go like, you know, when they're driving from random spot in the desert to temperance. I doubt he thinks a lot about like, Oh, what happens? If our tire blows up here or whatever. He's probably 99.9% yeah, yeah. sure. But once you get to temperance and like wake up Maeve, Oh, I don't know. I, I think it's, I, I, and, and it might be both. It might be the further he gets out. You got the butterfly wing chaos theory effects, amplifying his indecisiveness, And also there could be inflection points where the uncertainty sp- spikes. And we saw that with Rehoboam last year. Um, you know, that they had the same kind of like uh uh what do they call them? Outliers or incidents things or
0: uh, it started with a D, I thought, Di- to yeah. disturbances. Um uh God damn it. What were the things?
1: Decoherences?
0: But they yes, they, 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 they manifested
1: in like a big bloom of the perfect circle when all the probabilities uh-huh. are the same. I think it's the same thing that you get to certain points where it's like it's a lot more uncertain, mm-hmm. you know uh charlie f says it almost feels like they might be setting up a philosophical battle between the views of ford and hale have on sentience and free will ford is seemingly achieving full sentience and free will for the host for the first time with Maeve through gentle finessing of her death and experiences his belief that true sentience comes from continued suffering while hale seems to be taking a brute force approach and not offering that suffering and it's starting to fail her it's also interesting that she is trying to achieve the sentience and true free will with the hosts as they are all based on her code and don't have true individuality like the hosts in the park did. I think that's a misnomer. I think all, I think all the hosts have equivalent, you know, like the all have the same capability of, of being free will and consciousness. It's just some got there a little bit faster than others. Um, but anyway, continuing, it says it will be interesting to see if this uh, fact That there is no true individual beings in Hale's world will backfire on her when she's pushing them into this transcendence. I'm hoping that we maybe get a surprise appearance by Ford in the transcended realm at the end of the season where he gives a classic Westworld philosophy dump and shows Hale how her attempts were in vain and her plan will just never work. I would love to see Hmm. Anthony Hopkins come back. I understand that like it's not probably smart to plan on him being around with his advanced age and whatnot. But like if he is still alive and capable of, and like I've seen recent social media, he seems like he's still very much uh, a healthy, capable individual. I don't know why he wouldn't. I think it's a super fucking cool idea. If Ford's just out there chilling and sublime.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, I'd love to see
1: him back, too. Um, but I yeah, I mean, I, this is kind of broadly what I've been thinking the whole time is like Hale is doing the anti- she is coddling and maximizing the pleasure and freedom of her hosts, thinking that that is the way to get them to realize their true potential where Ford was you know, putting them through. And I, the other thing is, I don't know that Ford chose that. Like, oh, I know the best idea to achieve consciousness is suffering. It's more of like, what can I get away with in the rubric of me telling stories in this multibillion dollar company theme park? Right. You know, I can't get the humans to go along with Kumbaya, Mr. Rogers neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I might be able to do something with nature, red, and tooth and claw, survival of the fittest. So yeah. like if he could whiteboard it out, he might do something more different, but he 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 had to do what he had to do. Yeah, work with the tools he got. Craig says I have a thought about what Caleb may have been referring to, something that he has that Hale doesn't. Pants obviously, but I'll hear you out. Could it be the reason he's able to resist the fly is his limbic system may have literally transmitted, if not imprinted the idea of freedom to his brain when he'd been shot in episode four, his face as a thing after he shoots host in black later that episode that originally made me think any of this, like he tongue pushed to the roof of his mouth. They almost make it a point for you to see the implant. So he's like, you know, swirling his tongue around there. If what suggests suggests is true that this is all started with you, maybe it's contagious in some way and is literally a virus. I don't know what I think about this, except for we both noticed in the last episode that, boy, Caleb meditating on his freedom with his daughter looks a hell of a lot like Maeve meditating on her yeah. freedom with her daughter. The lighting, the setting.
0: So, so it's everything. not like necessarily the limbic system itself, right? It's what Maeve transferred through that. It's that feeling of freedom. It's y- yes, it's not the presence. I am free.
1: It's the the, the the way that she's able to mechanically or technologically instill that into a person that didn't have it.
0: It's essentially um, the belief, I am free, right? Like, if yeah. you believe you are free, you cannot be controlled. I, I mean, I, I wonder if, if you could really hijack... True, if you could hijack the the
1: the subsonic speaker system to broadcast some idea of like you are oh. free like to instantly irrevocably oh. wake up all of the humans transfer that
0: memory to all of them through the tower Yeah that would be cool I mean that seems like a, a what's the opposite of the placebo a uh, uh panacea <laughs> fact, what's medicine shit, what's, I think it's medicine
1: Yeah panacea pa- the Panacea. Cure-all.
0: Yeah that's like the the cure all for the problem right i yeah they might be going that. That. that's a cool I, idea though because it's like yeah if you can
1: if you can rewrite their personalities if you can rewrite their memories all that through the sonic sounds like you could probably instill something that would be uh and i, I think some people are naturally immune for whatever reason mm-hmm. or they've had that sense of freedom and so they can't yeah. be kind of cowed or controlled but like you could instantly inoculate everyone like a smallpox smallpox vaccine um yeah so yeah
0: and, and he, I don't know, And what we see in that memory, doesn't he kind of instill that attitude in Frankie, which might explain why she's an outlier? Um, you know, the idea that, like, the the person who can't be defeated is the person who doesn't give up. There's sort mm. of a freedom to that philosophy. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. It could know. be. Hmm. It's got me thinking. Debra says, I think Peter Mayers,
1: the guy that keeps calling Christina and accost her in episode one of the season, might actually be Caleb. Are you ready mm, for this, Jim? Okay. Her reasons. When you hear this phone call to Christina in the beginning, the voice sounds so much like Aaron Paul's. In fact, I thought it was Aaron Paul slightly changing his voice until I saw the other actor later in the episode, but it still could have been Aaron Paul's voice on the phone.
0: Okay. I don't remember okay. what it sounded like, but. All right, I'm going with it. And
1: Deborah's move is from what I, uh, in my recall, she moves from what I would call weak evidence to stronger. So okay. it'll, it'll build. Two, the actor chosen to portray Peter looks very similar to Aaron Paul in face and build and even in voice tone. Three, Peter keeps saying and doing things consistently to the story we know about Caleb. He recognizes Christina and Dolores by face when he picks up her phone. Other outliers know they're being controlled, but they don't know who by who. He mentions he lost his wife because of the game she's created. He tells her this is not who I am when trying to get her to listen to him and explain. He tells her she's the only one who can stop it when, again, a regular outlier wouldn't know this. But Caleb would, presuming he gets some inside information from either Hale or Bernard's crew later in the season. He might not even need that. He might just recognize like if this is true, he might just recognize her fucking face from Mm -hmm. his previous like a reverie type previous indications and the fact that she gave him this army she told him to do all this stuff like in a very real way she is responsible for what happened to caleb even if he doesn't directly remember it uh four, christina sees peter end his own life by jumping off a high building in season three dolores shows caleb his profile It projects that he will die by suicide in 10 to 12 years also in season three he's often visiting high structures thinking about jumping off it's also marked on that same profile that he should not be allowed to reproduce. This could be assumed to mean that the, in, uh, in that season that he shouldn't have kids because he's mentally unstable. But there's some timey-wimey switching type things happening here or some Bernard-level let's-look-at-every-scenario projection going on by the robo-hobo. It could also potentially make sense that if they projected this kid, this child, that this child could bring the host down, they might want to prevent him from having a kid in advance. So, like, there's a chosen one, like a Robo Hobo chosen one prophecy, uh, uh, anti-John Connor Mm -hmm. subroutine. Yeah. In season two of this season, I'm sorry, episode two of this season, Dolores discovers she's written a script some time ago. The boss mentions it's been a while that's similar to Peter's story. So, does she know Peter or his story or, in a sense, could she be mirroring Caleb's story? If Peter were actually Caleb, but Christina's pretending to herself that she didn't know him, and so was disguising him to look different to her view, and if Teddy's also under Hale's control, then it would make sense that when Peter was trying to wake up Christina, that Teddy, a host, would show up to attack and subdue him, similar to how many previous iterations have been chased or destroyed by Hale's drones in the past. The Peter we see in episode one and two might just be another Caleb version that got farther than he did in this week's episode. We now know that he can figure out how to transmit messages to people. Maybe his next try gets him to Dolores' voicemail or phone. I don't know if any of this is right and have not figured it out yet how it connects to the hospital named in his memory unless Christina is seeing a different name and a different kind of building than is what is actually there. Technically, the memorial could be for the original Caleb who did actually die at one point in the far past far earlier than Christina's timeline but is now being replicated. This is the part where like, and I, clearly this is the biggest part that doesn't make sense. Um, I don't... I don't see how... Caleb could have a hospital named after him he was a loser nobody then he was briefly a clandestine leader of an anti Mm -hmm. super intelligence freedom fighter but like yeah this is a real
0: world construction yeah and the window is even like yeah it's a pretty small window um, for when that could have happened but I I like a lot of the conjecture here a lot of
1: this does kind of make sense
0: yeah it's so much i I have so little information about what's actually going on with christina that anything Uh is kind of possible here so maybe but honestly i just don't know i also think the
1: teddy stuff is pretty weak too um there's something else going on because like i don't think
0: teddy is a controlled host of hail uh, but but again, I I really don't know. I just have no Right, that's what I'm saying. That. Like we don't, I, I keep on going back
1: to someone pointed out that Ford said that Teddy's purpose was not to save Dolores. Right. It was to keep her in the park.
0: So maybe he is, yeah.
1: And it could be that like they've completely changed. Like that's, yeah. that was back in the park and now it's something different. Teddy's yeah. actually part of the woke freedom fighting, all that. But like I, until that gets to be a little bit more proven, I keep going back to the show tends to like to rhyme and bring things from the past forward. And it would be a pretty big revit twist if. You know, the person that's ostensibly setting Christina free and waking her up is also some Mm. master stroke of Hale trying to bring her daughter along into some new world. But but you're right. We don't even know for sure what time frame we're talking about with Christina. I I have no
0: idea what's going on with her still. And we're two
1: episodes from the end. Uh, Finally, Deborah says the actor who plays Peter's name, Aaron Stanford and Aaron Paul's real name is Aaron Stewart. Did you know this? I did not know that. Stru yeah S T U R T E V A N T. Stu Yeah. But having two Air is probably a bridge too far even for Westworld creators to engineer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Seems I mean, they, like a they coincidence, do hire these people. So
1: they do. They do uh jcon says anyhow possibly a plot related but bothering me nonetheless has anyone else noticed that in the creating westworld segments everyone is polished and professional looking and then aaron paul comes in looking like he just got beat up and shoved Mm -hmm. in front of the camera his face and also this week you could see a bandaged hand what's up with that did he get hurt filming uh is this actually makeup costuming from something we haven't seen
0: no it's definitely like part of the show right like they took them off a set set them down in this other room somewhere uh, and had them do this while they were filming. I
1: do think that when we see like Tessa and Evan... That they look like they're willing, wearing like stylish civilian clothes. Like I don't, I don't think they're wearing stuff that they wore on the show, especially Evan, because she's just going around his blue, you know, jumps, you know, dress kind of thing. Sure, um, sure. It's just but a like that of could just be their schedules. Like they uh-huh. were able to get the they they they, they were able to, to shoot these people, and then the Aaron Paul stuff they only were able to shoot on the
0: set because yeah, mm-hmm. that his definitely looks
1: like. He there's just no got way, off doing There's no
0: way he got beat up. Like he was not in a bar brawl or anything. That would no. be on TMZ at least. So,
1: but he could, I mean, people hurt themselves in doing stunt work all the fucking time. So that could sure. be a real, I don't know why he would wear an actual, like a, a fake bandage. Like, I don't know why he'd come that much from set or, but yeah. I think it's mostly all these things, these behind the scenes, they like these stars are so hard to get. And these are so kind of like they just anywhere they can get them. Yeah. Like if we can get them on the set, great. If not, we'll drop a green screen background and interview them on one of their mini press junkets and we'll stitch it all together and nobody will question the nature of that reality. Mm -hmm. Kevin says, I got a conundrum about Caleb. At this point, he's a host. He's a large piece of software. He can be reinstalled at will. They have this entire brain ball and all of his history and have reinstalled him 278 times. Why the fuck does Hale have to keep reprinting him over and over to try to get a specific answer out of him, then fail and punch and kick and burn and trick him, then start over? They have his code. Why can't they just sift through it line by line until they find what they're looking for? Do writers not understand that Windows is actually just a computer program that if you have the clearance, you could examine at the code level? You don't install Caleb build 45 without that answer already embedded into the code that you hold in your hands. so So
0: confusing to me. In the fullness of time, I kind of agree. Like these are immortal, essentially immortal beings that should be able to patiently sift through every single bit of data in his memory banks and whatnot. But we have systems on this planet right now as human beings that we do not fully understand. Like if you look at artificial intelligence, there is no way to just sift through all of the data that that artificial intelligence, uh, that that algorithm has collected and fully understand exactly why it makes all of the decisions it makes. That is a black box for us. We cannot do that. And it's probably just a matter of resources, you know, and our limited human brains, but it, I, especially I when like, you're talking about like like learning
1: machines learning s- systems uh, where like the code yeah. is this the and then it's what inputs are fed up and it builds these massive libraries of reward and punishment things yeah, and that's
0: exactly what i'm talking about we okay, don't have yeah. a great insight into the inner workings of that thing um even if we wanted to get in there and and look at it and we do so maybe yeah there, maybe and, there's a similar complexity and in black box nature to caleb's consciousness.
1: Just like, emer- like, you know, an emergent property of consciousness that it's not just, you know, like yeah. uh, that. that's something that they're still trying to figure out now through science. But at the same time,
0: we could take all that data. We could take that black box and copy it and have a perfect reproduction of it that would exactly, mm-hmm. you know, work the same way. It's just we can't get in there and decipher it.
1: I guess the real question is why aren't they simulating this? Why are they printing sure. physically out in meat space? Are they simulating this? And if they're simulating this, why are we seeing these scenes of Caleb being constructed? Because that's for the benefit of no one but us. The His viewer. body
0: takes a lot of damage, I noticed, in a lot of these scenarios. Like he gets sure. shot and uh, or he gets stabbed. Um, he's Yeah, he's taking a lot of damage in these scenarios. So maybe it's just like easier like, yeah, we could fix him up, you know, after he does this, or we could just have another body waiting to go. But they could just simulate. And like, there's even this
1: uh, line. I don't think we talked about it this week where Bernard's talking about why, you know, he runs these probabilistic calculations and stuff. And and in the beginning, Westworld was all simulation to get the hosts, you know, their, their, their gross behavior kind of worked out. Um, and then he goes, uh, Charlotte Hale did the same thing when she was starting. Yeah. And now the implication is intemperance, but like the way Bernard said that and the way Jeffrey Wright put the look on his face, there was like kind of like looked over his glass. There seemed to be a significance to that. So Hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if we find out that all this Caleb stuff is happening in a simulation. But I also think they have some explaining to do because I don't understand why they're explicitly like it's be one thing if Caleb's running around in a simulation of a of a lab that's building his body. Mm-hmm. But like, why show the body printing and coming out of the milk? And this is copy 279. Like, yeah. Without who Caleb the fuck is witness. Wa- Yeah. Yeah. Who the fuck is watching that? What what point of view is that? Right. In the simulation? Why
0: would you simulate that? It, it would only silly. be to trick the audience. Right. At that point. Right. Which feels less than. Uh
1: it's like we talked good. about this a couple weeks ago like if you had a simulation of, of of westworld that you're testing the host in would you simulate the control room right and would you simulate the simulation that's running in the if, control if room you thought
0: like and then would you yeah it's th- like th- at if some you point that person was going to run through the control room sure but like right yeah if there was no way to access the control room from within the simulation why would you an entirely different kevin We've had
1: back-to-back Kevins here, uh, but I'm assured it's an entirely different one. Frankie says, uh, or Frankie's been calling her dad every week on the same frequency, and Charlotte hasn't been able to track her down. Next to the standstill and they won't see you move to avoid the host, there's no way the outliers should be alive, unless it's all part of Shalora's plan. This is not a bad point. That, mm-hmm. like, all the ways we've bent over backwards to give Charloris the benefit of the doubt with her shitty security and all part of her plan. Why the fuck can she not triangulate on this signal in 23 years? Yeah. If it's if it's a linchpin part
0: of her process to break Caleb. <laughs> That's a damn good. Maybe the transmitter is not strong enough to reach any of her receivers. <laughs> so she literally doesn't know the signals out there. Frankie's been speaking into a a bubble that's like like a 20 mile bubble that's just nobody yeah right right but i mean i think she's on like shortwave radios at some point it can't be that's what i'm saying like i I don't because like if if, yeah if she's
1: if she's wanting to hear her dad then she's broadcasting up power now it could be that there's enough of the human world that there's a lot of uh still still radio communications going Mm -hmm. on and you have to know what you're actually looking for um
0: but but everything I, we've yeah. heard on that channel has been nothing right like the radio was right. on ready to receive in that car and nothing was coming over it so right although now maybe she knows that maybe that's the thing
1: she knows the frequency now that she knows like their ritual and and she's going to home in on these signals and kick maybe. the humans asses in next up so it could be uh, a a stealth way that the show is going to turn around and be smart we'll see See, that's what I'm saying. That's the thing. It's like hard to judge Westworld on its stupid shit because they have so many mechanisms where this could not be stupid by the time the finale rolls around. So I'm content to keep the pitchforks and torches at hand, but not lit and armed until we get to past the, the finale. Uh, David C says, I'm a longtime listener and the first time writer club. I love to hear it. I think I just might see the path that Westworld is trying to lay down for us this season. Aaron's mentioned multiple times that he just can't see humans as Joy and Nolan portrays him. And I agree. I think that they do, too. Now let's play the Westworld game of ignoring things from the past episode to concentrate on this season only. Otherwise, the holes in my theory simply will be too big. Imagine God, that is Hale, tells you, a host, that all humans are like those consistently visiting Westworld. All humans want to murder and rape to their very core of their being, where nothing but violent delights, so to speak. Then she gives you the chance to experience humanity in the hopes that you will see it for what it is and simply move on to bigger and better things. Then the outliers show that God, might just be wrong. Think of the outliers we've seen. A homeless dude that isn't violent. He asks about a flower and if it's real. The lady on the roof hugs William so he won't feel alone. She assumes that he now sees the tower like she does and speaks of the guilt she has for not acknowledging a loved one seeing the tower. And finally, I finally have Caleb who goes through hell just to pass on love and encouragement to his daughter. One of his clones asked to be used as a human uh, airbag, knowing that his death will provide a chance that for that message to uh, to his daughter to be heard. His outliers are infecting the host with actual and genuine loving feelings. They're finding out the humans last thoughts aren't about who they fucked or they're murdered, but about beauty, a flower wanting to be accepted and loved. Williams hug and the true love of a creator. Daddy Caleb, even in host form, for his progeny, his daughter. The hosts are seeing that Hale is wrong. All humans aren't evil, which if they looked at some economics, they'd see the only people who could go to the park, or there's a certain type of person to go to the park. And if God is wrong, all bets are off. I hmm. I think this dovetails to our, our Garden of Eden conversation we had early, that like, if you do eat from the tree of knowledge of good and bad and your eyes are open and you are aware that you're naked do you think oh i fucked up or do you think god lied because Mm -hmm. and we don't know have we heard what other than clementine referring to them as sheep have we actually heard a host expound on what they think the nature of the human's reality is not really not cause it could be that they're told that these are just, you know, artificial constructs and they don't have any thoughts or independent feelings. And look, you can even see if you you can imagine them to feel differently and they do. They're like a, right. a video game, you know, like it's exact. It it seems like they don't. It seems like they don't because else having these contact with with off the loop humans wouldn't bother them the way they do. If they if they were told like going in like, oh, no, these are thinking people. We've enslaved them uh, and brutalizing them for some kind of long term revenge
0: and enjoy it. Enjoy it, kids. Like, I I don't know. And it seems like the ones who do realize something uh, and breach end up like murdering a bunch of people. So like. Is that the result you you come to? The conclusion you come to is like, oh, man, I thought all these things were non-sentient or were deserving of whatever brutality I'm delivering. Oops, I found out they're not. Let me go murder a bunch of them. That seems weird. Maybe that's just like a reflexive reaction. Like, fuck, I fucked up. I got to cover my tracks and go murder everybody you interact with. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just seems a bizarre response if that were the case. Right. Way, we don't know what they think about the humans they're interacting with in the park. And I'm, I'm really dying to know more about that.
1: Scott says, I noticed on my second watch, Bernard tells C, I never know what you'll quite do next. That was an interesting line, considering Caleb was identified by ro- Robo Hobo as an outlier, and now Bernard has theoretically run millions of simulations and also identifies her as an outlier. I'm blushing out what this all could imply, but my initial thoughts are: Is there a genetic trait that outliers have to override the fly code? Was Frankie and Awade ever exposed to the flies? They're going off grid the last time we saw, and does this also explain why Bernard doesn't know who they've swapped because they're all outliers? Do you think there's a genetic component to resistance to the flies?
0: It's possible. Um, I, I mean, I really I do like that I, that idea of freedom, that the freedom is instilled in you as being like the marker of an outlier, but it mm-hmm. could also be genetic. Here, Here's, so you mentioned something like if Awate and Frankie were ever exposed to flies. I think it's dubious because of that very stupid scene in this episode where they play freeze tag with the hosts. Mm-hmm. Because if they're... If it was what we thought, where you know, outliers are just outliers, and it doesn't fucking matter if a fly gets in you, then why did what's-his-face blink? Was it literally just because it, it itched when a fly walked on his face? I
1: just asked you two days ago, could you keep your eye open if you knew a fly without the possibility of it infecting your brain? Just they're a flies walking on your...
0: Yeah, and I absolutely couldn't. There's no way I could. Uh, and so I understand why this guy blinks if that, but they're playing it in the show like this yeah. fly is coming to infect him, right? It's not... That might be just our
1: assumption there. They know yeah. we'd assume that and they're, they're, they're right. Cause like, here's my counter proposal. Uh-huh. How the fuck does flies infected with this shit, not become dominant in North America? Like you can't, they're like f- house flies live in Fairbanks, Alaska. They live in Miami, Florida. Mm-hmm. They are all over the goddamn world. There's no place that you can get away from them. Like, Show me the human that has not a fly land on them in the last month, let alone, you know, like I I just I can't conceive of going off grid from house flies. No, you can't. You can't.
0: Electrical fields, Wi-Fi signals, 5G shit.
1: Sure. But. house flies i don't think there's any place on earth you can get other than like a clean room that you maintain 24 7 with positive pressure that you could right. get away and never be infected by these things and so i assume that everyone's been exposed Breaking Bad,
0: right <laughs> which was a positive pressure clean room so <laughs> this is true nowhere,
1: yeah. nowhere 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 can you can you get away <laughs> from these things so i feel like everyone has to be infected and then there's some people who are outliers either cause genetic or like i i'm with jim i think that if you've got some kind of purpose or freedom or something that that makes you uh resistant and just the vast majority of humans at the bot at the at their core just don't have whatever that is which i could believe yeah you know sure uh at least from a show science fiction science fiction i'm just real
0: bothered by how fast and loose they played it in that stupid freeze tag scene i'm real fucking bothered by it (laughs)
1: Well, get get ready because Rob's bothered, too. He says Ah, this is clearly the worst episode of the season. They almost lost me in season three, but season four came back strong and I was all in. And now this. Mm-hmm. why wouldn't Hale just do all our torturing of caleb in a simulation yeah we we, we talked about that mm-hmm. uh freeze tag thing utterly ridiculous they're looking for someone the only way they can find them is that they move mm-hmm. really no photos of who they're looking for scans of their brains or dna and anything yeah especially since you got technology where a person looks in a mirror once and you copy them yeah what the fuck they uh about how the did-
0: ubiquity of the mirror right well right
1: right okay how did the extraction team get from the Western desert to New York city undetected Hale controls the world, mm-hmm. but a flight going from no man's land desert and landing where near there is an outlier. Isn't it all suspicious? I'm going to, I'm going to give the show a pass and I say, I'm not so sure that we know geographically where any of this shit's taking place. I know this looks like New York city, but it could have been a copy built because yeah, I don't, how the hell do you drive a boat? from the deserts of California to, you know, Manhattan. Uh, how
0: <laughs> a long time at best.
1: Yeah, yeah, like like even taking a quadcopter, it seemed like it's going to be an all-day thing, and you got to find it. But I wonder if um, we're assuming this is New York, we're assuming this is, L- and really it's just like a whole bunch of wasteland with these isolated cities that I have no evidence, though, because it seems like they're telling a the story of like, no, this is New York. Yeah. And... This is the ruins of and all
0: that kind of, but I, I don't know. I, I think they're playing very fast and loose with with the canon here. I, I think they just don't care. They just don't care. Like take yeah. Yeah, at face value it's, what we tell you and do not think about this because it is not the point of the show. And I hate that. I'm with you. I I think that sucks. I I like a little more uh, coherence in my shows. I like consistency and I like things to be thought through all the way, whether they're trivial or not. But,
1: but almost every work has a few cut corners and cut ins. It's like mystery science theater Three Thousands. like, if you're wondering how these guys breathe or eat or use the bathroom or any of that science stuff, just, it's just a show, just relax, you know? And and I think it's, (laughs) but the thing is, it's what's, what's wild is like a show like uh, mystery science theater gets, get away with that because like, Oh my God, it's a fucking gumball machine and a catcher's mitt and they're robots. Like it's very campy and silly and, and you know, a lot whereas the world of Westworld feels crunchy and hard science fiction, but yet it's underpinnings are
0: anything but. So I, I don't know. Um, yeah, and it's- tough. I also I mean, think that- In a, in a sci-fi a, show with this high a concept, like uh, you, you're gonna have a lot more gaps that you would have to explain if you wanted to create a, a airtight uh, world. Right. Whereas right. in something like Breaking Bad, you just assume all the things we assume about our real world. So, like, right. this is a tough order. It's a tall order, and it's a big ask, and they're doing <laughs> it well enough that I'm okay with it.
1: That's a good point because if you took an alien from another planet, sat him down and watch Breaking Bad, they're watching like for 30 minutes. Like, wait a second, this guy lives in the richest, most powerful nation in the in the, in the world, and he's going and he's a, he's a school teacher. Uh, that's that's a pillar of their community yeah and he's just going to die of cancer because he mm-hmm. can't afford it
0: and i don't his, buy his it i'm sorry be
1: destitute when he does what i don't buy it doesn't make any and you'd be well actually uh so like that's a, that's a point well taken but like oh, man i wish i wish they tried a little bit harder <laughs> i know i do too <laughs> I, I wish they tried a little bit harder. It, I'm
0: just i'm trying because to say, again like, some of this scenario
1: some of the stuff, especially when I think back in season two, just seems like unforced air after unforced air. And yes. if, if they had done some of that stuff, that, cause like I get, like you might have to, you know, like I said, go off road, drive a couple miles of gravel, ill maintained road to get back onto the freeway that you want to drive on. But holy shit, maybe t- too many detours and unnecessary detours.
0: Yeah that has and, has uh, poor guys like Rob on the edge and unless we like totally recontextualize that freeze tag scene I think it's asinine I that, that scene is ridiculous
1: and it's possible they could recontextualize it so yeah
0: so I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt but we'll see
1: uh ooh I really like this one Chris I've listened to your podcast for years uh and you've added my experience of watching good television so I want to offer up a possible easter egg to you about the sound produced by the tower in Westworld season 4 I haven't been able to shake the feeling that the pattern is very similar, uh, and realize that the four note motif reminds me of the DS E Ray chant. The DS E Ray melody is all overtly played in season three, episode five, when Liam is about to die. While it's played in the background, Liam says, you don't even know who you are. You're the worst of them. Rehoboam was right. You're nothing. You're all nothing. It's just a drag on the fucking system. You don't have a choice. You know how much more progress could have been made if none of you had ever been. And then Liam didn't get shot. So Christ. it took me a second to I remember to who Liam up. is. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, who is Liam for everybody Watch, listen at
0: home? He's the, the rich boy that. Dolores was, like, taking advantage of to, to use his access. I, I forget the story, yeah. even. I, I couldn't even conjure his face for a minute, but yeah. Um. So, if you don't know, this
1: D.S. E. Ray is a four-note sequence that has been famously associated with death in the last 800 years. It is... The note that plays in The Lion King, where Simba knows his dad's going to die, it's played in Star Wars: A New Hope when Luke comes back and sees Aunt and Uncle Baru dead. It's the Willhelm scream of death. It's in a It's in the Wonderful Life uh, when George is on the bridge com- contemplating suicide. It's in the Lord of the Rings when Gandalf realizes the true nature of the ring. The dun 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 dun. dun, 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 to dun, 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 a
0: numerologist? Is that what I like? i feel like i'm being pitched on some kind of cult at this point
1: you are you are it's it's called uh it's called culture pop culture (laughs) and how some monks 800 years ago came up with a fucking banger that is down to this day uh incorporated and like i said i it's it's I watched a video where it's just it's in the Shining. It's in that 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 note procession is everywhere. And it's called a Dies Irae, and it's a mm. Gregorian chant about about death. We're going to get into it anyway. Uh, given that they use the actual Dies Irae melody while the human says these things, I think using a variation on this four-note motif of uh, Dies Irae would be appropriate for how the show plays with inven- inversions of the relationship between humans and host. Functionally, the sound also represents Choloris's version of the cinnamon. Expressed by Liam when the I'm gonna say Di because I'm I'm threatening to fuck this up when the Di melody is playing. Lastly, the third stanza of Di's text seems particularly appropriate for how it's used in the show the trumpet scattering a wondrous sound through the uh, sepulchres or tombs of the regions will summon all before the throne. It's also interesting to note that Shaloris is talking about this sound that before summoning humans to make her a literal throne Mm -hmm. curious on your thoughts on this and whether you think this was purposeful. Absolutely. Yeah, this is the kind of high minded artsy fartsy liberal education masters of art shit that joy and Nolan fucking love. So yes. Yeah.
0: Hundred yeah, percent. I couldn't think of something that's more likely to be relevant.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is this is Matthew Weiner putting uh, Dante's having Don Draper reading Dante's Inferno on the beach and all. They're like, yeah. I don't know if it means anything other than the you know uh, association with kind of death and despair. Um, and like having the thing enslaving humanity literally being the musical manifestation of that is pretty fucking sweet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I, 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 uh, I appreciate it. That is awesome, Chris. Uh, and yeah, look, uh, if you want to, uh, I think if you Google this, the first thing that comes up is a video that kind of like lay by a particular media company that I can't think of at the moment. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah i can't find it shit but anyway if you want to search more from that search up d uh, uh DSE ray and uh they uh there's a tons of videos that kind of can explain it at least you can get a you can get a chance to hear it for yourself uh okay moving on to emmanuel it says i suspect that the writers tried to be clever in the last episode i only picked this up on a second watch at the start of the exchange between Shaloris and clementine the latter simply says he's still on the run However, they aren't specific about who he is or the circumstances that he is in. I think they want us to think they're talking about Caleb since he's actively trying to escape at this point in the episode. However, we now know that Caleb was never escaping. He was just unwittingly participating in an elaborate obstacle course. (laughs) Ninja Warrior style. Mm -hmm. I think... He being referenced to is actually the man in black Yeah. after being in contact with the outlier and having exchange with his human counterpart. He questions the nature of his reality. He's unable to face the status quo, but he's not ready to kill himself yet. Add to the fact that he probably figured out Shaloris used him as bait to infiltrate the host, a Serper. He probably spots a dead human Jay on the staircase on his way down. Why would he just come back?
0: Isn't, that's super this is, likely given she's not yes. talking
1: to William in this scene. Yes. <laughs> she's talking to William's second in command. No, this uh-huh. makes a hell of a lot of sense and fully explains the discrepancy we saw yesterday in the podcast, which is why the fuck is she? Is she testing, you know, Clementine in some way? But no, yeah. she's they're They're looking for a different he. And uh, they're. they're and this, like I said, I, I think this misdirection is cool. Uh, I think a lot of misdirection they do like it's it's a magician, you know, and we're we're trying we're being the annoying people trying to get around and look at a different angles and and he's not levitating. He's just standing on one toe kind of bit. But like, yeah, I, I think this is very likely. Josh says when Hale wakes Caleb, she tells him something about how to fly infection control didn't work well on adults, but it worked great on children, which explains why in the current timeline, when a host commands a human, it works very well. Like when the infected humans are willing to sit at a dinner table for hours upon command without eating. But when the flashback with Frankie and Jay that occurs some 20 something years ago, how does the city have so many adults who are able to successfully freeze motor functions on command without degrading or twitching out? Was Hale lying to Caleb? Um, I guess I'm would say that while it's easier to infect children than adults it does seem like a lot of adults are susceptible to it as we saw like it's, it's a very early days and imperfect but if you can get a person to sort some blocks load a gun and blow their heads off
0: that's pretty good degree of control uh, yeah, so I, I don't I Go ahead. So I was gonna say all, all the, you know, people blowing their heads off and stuff is what we think she meant when she was talking about working out the kinks and this stuff, right? And right. so like probably three years later or whatever we see with the Frankie flashback, there's enough of the kinks worked out to where a lot yeah. of people are enslaved.
1: Yeah. And I think that like outliers might be like maybe as many as one out of 10 of the human population. Right, right. But then if you get them early, it's one out of a thousand because the fly larvae have a, a yeah. chance to develop with the thing's brain. And yeah. So I, I think that it's not like it was unworkable. It's just, there was enough problems with that, that like it needed a couple of generations before their power is fully consolidated. But
0: I, I will yeah. say, I will go back and say that line actually I didn't consider when I was, thinking that maybe uh, the feeling of freedom or a sense of, of never giving up or hope was something that created an outlier because children have that. Adults get that beaten out of them. So it would be exactly the opposite, right? That you would expect the control mechanisms don't work so well on children because they have that freedom of thought, whereas it works great on adults because they're beaten down by everything. Yeah. So maybe I'm wrong about that what what you know the outlier status is i think
1: you're right psychologically but physiologically you're like i mean everyone says like you know that's why uh teens doing sports that are uh high risk of concussion is so bad because their brains yeah. like why abusing alcohol and drugs when you're a teenager or a child is so bad because your brain's actively developing not just in terms of cells and but like its structure and all that is, is still very malleable, malleable. yeah yeah so it's like yeah I think you're right but physically I I, um, I think you'd be more susceptible to growing with a parasite kind of hand in glove yeah uh, getting towards the end here let's go on to May, uh, Raymond I'm still bothered by Christina's journey to the Hope Center for mental health in episode 2 for what it's worth I note that the facility is named the Hope Center and Hope is also the name of the host who went off the, uh, her, her loop in episode 5 I went back and rewatched the scenes leading up to the trip to see if there is anything to explain the incongruities. I didn't find anything definitive, but I got fixated on one detail, specifically the knife wound in Christina's left arm that resulted from Peter attacking her in episode one. On the morning after the attack, Christina gets up and looks in the mirror and examines the wound. On the morning after Peter jumps off the building, while Christina is waking up, she has a flashback to the attack and reaches down to touch the wound. Notice that the scene starts with her eyes wide open. Unlike every other time Christina or that matter, Dolores wakes up. The scenes all start with her eyes closed. After we see the wound on her forearm, the camera cuts back to her face and her eyes are briefly closed again. She then proceeds with her usual morning routine. After that, we get a couple of glimpses of her left arm as she getting out of bed. And again, as she's making coffee, it's not very clear, but as far as I can tell, the wound is no longer there. Could this be an indication there's a time gap? Potentially many years could also pass between the time we first see her in bed. And when she reopens her eyes, hmm. um, could someone be. else, I think last week, and I didn't have time to read it. Uh, mentioned that there was this this wound coming and going i i don't think it's a production glitch i think it is an indication that something happened some nature of a reality changed whether we're on a different time loop or what mm-hmm. I, I find it hard to believe that we've skipped around time within the story of christina very much because i if Maya's is not a human i'm going to be super pissed and if Maya's is a human then she can't like she's going to visibly age yeah right Although, I guess, like, they could show it from, like, uh, next time uh, uh, Christina sees Maya, she could look slightly different. You know, like, the, you know, uh, and, like, it turns out that she is a different person. It's just that Christina's been conditioned to not see it.
0: I, I, I mean, there, well, let me ask you this. You said you'd be pissed if Maya wasn't a human. Uh, are there scenarios in which you wouldn't be pissed if Maya wasn't a human simply because, like, if Dolores is being tested for something by Shaloris and she made a host to accompany her well, through that journey, like
1: I, I guess if Maya were a copy of a human who went through the trauma of having her parents abducted by flies and all that kind of stuff, she's like a Caleb. Oh, it's like, the you dream. know, like a, it's a the red marble. Dream. Yeah. 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 Okay. Like uh, that to me, that explicitly says that she's a human gotcha. of this gender, but like if she's like a red marble that they're keeping around for some reason specific to Christina, that, I wouldn't, I guess I wouldn't squawk too much. Okay. But most things like, yeah, I think they're telling me with her age or appearance and what she's saying that she is a fly infected human. Makes sense. Very analogous to a, a diluted host. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part, part in this email I thought was really interesting. That Raymond, uh rain po- points out is Christina's exploring the mental health building. She spots a group of people in another room and she whispers to them, just leave. Yeah. And they do. Uh, it's an early indication that she had, I don't think she realized it at the time. Um, but uh, it shows that she always had that power. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of cool. All right. Uh, Ralph from Austria says, I just want to say, I don't agree with your opinion that it would be good if we could turn off our feelings. Why would we ever Mm -hmm. feel sadness, pain, shame, disappointment, or fear again if we didn't have to and turning off those, those feelings permanently would probably turn us into psychopaths. Oh, you feel bad about torturing someone? Just turn off that empathy and keep on torturing. Be like a drug that we would never turn those feelings on again.
0: Well, there are people who can do that, certainly, uh, and I would say that those people are capable of bad. But I don't know that they have to be bad. I, I don't know. I mean, I take your point, but it's it's I, hard I don't know because you still have the memory of those feelings. You just don't feel them. Like you can still understand that you felt guilty about some about doing an action without feeling constant guilt that's i think that's the distinction there
1: yeah like if you you know like we talked about like if you burnt your hand on a stove and your hand is like hurting for hours and days like that's not very very helpful that the original pain told you to withdraw your hand and 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 bandage it up right why is it continuing to hurt i've already taken care of it um i i think it's and it's hard I, I take your point too it's it's hard to contextualize a form of consciousness that you yourself don't have like what would it be like to? yeah yeah but i also think this is like all of us as humans have a way to turn down our emotion like there's tons mm. of drugs alcohol freely regularly available that Adrenaline. will do that job your body makes some of it <laughs> That yeah. does that job admirably, but the very the, the people that actually abuse those things to essentially check out and dissociate all the time are very few and far between because most people see the benefit of, uh, you know, feeling the f- full spectrum of, of human emotions. So I think if you had the ability to turn things off in certain times, you're probably right. It would lead to some fucked up shit. Like if mm-hmm. you could tell your brigade yeah. of soldiers to turn off their empathy while it's for the duration of a ba- battle, I would imagine sh- crazy shit would happen. Yeah. But um shit crazy shit happens today with you know uh on the battlefield with our normal psycho- psychology so it's like anything else like you'd probably learn to control and adapt it um but yeah i mean like i said uh it's it's interesting that the humans are living in that or i'm sorry the hosts are living in that paradigm right now and they're choosing to wallow in their humanity
0: rather than you know become enlightened beings so yeah and i can see other mechanisms developing other than like the pain of guilt to keep us on the straight and narrow. Um, sure. We, we would just have to evolve, you know, and, and figure out a new way of living that doesn't result in everybody becoming a psychopath and murdering each other. Right. And that will conclude
1: our feedback session here for Westworld. Again, if you would like to send us more feedback, if you got your own pet theories, we have going to two episodes left to go. Send those in please. Westworld at baldmove.com. com, And uh, also cordial invitation, if you haven't taken us up already, uh, we host an after show every Sunday night around ten fifteen Eastern standard time. Uh, get on HBO max, watch it uh, show up uh, a ball for the YouTube link. And you can watch our live show live as it's implied with the word live. And after Jim and I talk for 10 or 15 minutes, uh, we will look at the YouTube chat and see what everybody's been thinking. That's how you can communicate with us. You can be a part of our live show, that's the uh, if you're not a club member, you only get access to instant take, which is the Jim and I talking part of it. But there's a whole other segment where we respond to the community's feedback. Uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff. It's a good time. And for five bucks a month, you can get access to that support.baldmove.com uh, for that. Those live after shows and many other functions. And also, uh, if you're going to be watching House of the Dragon, guess what? As soon as Westworld's over, we're going to be moving on to that. And we're going to continue on with the instant takes and instant talks. So I know you love good quality HBO content. Uh, there's some some more dragon flavored uh, content coming down the pike. So, uh, you know, uh, sign up for Westworld, stay for House of the Dragon westworldofballmove.com is how you get on the feedback otherwise we'll see you next week for tuesday on tuesday for full recap uh late it's a thursday-ish for the feedback show until next time i'm aaron and i'm jim don't forget to question the nature of your reality